Thanks, Kevin. Um, there's a lot of really great stuff going on at Grace Chapel, and um, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be back. I was gone last week. Uh, my wife and uh, kids and I took a little vacation. It was great. We are happy to be back. And I heard Aaron uh, preach. I listened to his message, and, and wow, uh, uh, nobody told him. I say this every time. We have so many great teachers in this church. Um, nobody told him that if he did that well, he was going to have to, he's going to have to come back and do it again. So um, basically, if, you, if I ask you to preach and you come and preach, you should probably tone it down because I'm going to ask you again if you do well. So uh, he did great. I appreciate him. He's a great friend of mine and, and uh, uh, just a great uh, a missionary in our community, uh, serving the kids uh, of Young Life and, and all that they do. So uh, thanks for being here. Um, I'm excited um, about this morning. We get to start a new series called Give. Um, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be really helpful for us as a church to kind of go through some of these things. Uh, before I kick that off, let's, let's uh, start in prayer. Would you bow with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity we have to be here uh, with each other in community and, and, and Lord, in community with you. Uh, God, I ask that um, of all the things that are going on in our lives, Lord, we bring so much to this room on Sunday morning. Uh, I ask that the baggage would fall, that it would fall off and we would feel free, we would feel at peace, and we would feel your hope and your future uh, coming to us. Uh, Lord, you are our king and, and we love you and thank you for what you've done in this place for so many years. And God, we are excited about what you're going to do today, what you're going to do tomorrow, and what you're going to do on into the future. Lord, I ask that you would bond us, that you would bring us closer together, that we would all feel known, valued, and loved together, and that you would reign supreme and that you would be honored by this morning. Jesus, you mean so much to us. Thank you for being here. In your name, amen. So as we start this uh, Give series, we're going to start looking at how God views giving. And, and this is a financial giving, this is emotional giving, this is time, this is energy, this is effort. Um, all of those things wrapped up into the word give, which is just going to be great. Um, you know, our, uh, Kevin said it earlier, our mission statement is lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's such a great banner. You know, I, I, I think about that mission statement a lot and, and what it means. But I was having a conversation with a friend this week and we started going, well, what does it look like? What's the specifics? What does it actually look like to have your life, individually, your life transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ? And then a follow-up question, what does it look like for our church? What does it look like for our body to be transformed uh, by the gospel of Jesus Christ? And it's a difficult question to answer. Specifically, it is. I mean, we can say wonderful things like, oh, we want our church to lift Jesus high and to worship him well, and that's true, but that's a bit of a, a vague statement. What does it really look like to have a life transformed by Jesus? What practically happens in their life? And as we explore that, this is something that we say, Jesus, guide us. <laughs> Show us what that looks like specifically for us. But as we talk about transformation, I think some of the things that get transformed, uh, transformed in our lives is our motivations. I think our feelings get trans, uh, transformed. I think our actions, um, why we do what we do, what we actually do in and around church and with our neighbors and with our coworkers, all those things, if we let the gospel soak deep into our heart, those things start to change for good, for the better. And if you take a minute, and, and maybe you're new, if you're new, take a minute and talk to somebody who's been here a while. 
but maybe you have been here a while. All you have to do is think about what God has done for the last 25 years. And you can see a pattern of transformation, of changing, of growing, of deepening. And the Spirit does that. The Spirit does that if we ask Him to lead us. And so that's what this series is about, and that's what this church is about. And, and it's so exciting to see. It's difficult, but it's exciting. So as we think about transformation, that's our mission, and that's our goal. Every event we do, every meeting we have, every worship service, every sermon, hopefully, is about transformation. So transformation, that's what we're into. I think about the times in my life that I've received the most transformation. I go back in time and I go, you know, this one period of my life, I just seem to grow faster than other areas. And what I mean by growth is I fall deeper in love with Jesus. My motivations seem to be more pure and more honest. It's not that I'm sinless. I make mistakes, but, but this trajectory suddenly goes steep. And I'm, and I'm learning more. I'm in the Word more. I'm praying more. I can feel the Spirit moving me. And I can feel my life being transformed. That's the kind of thing that I want to have happen on a great scale here. I want that to continue. That's what the elders want. That's what we spend so much time praying and thinking and planning and working towards is how do we create an environment where transformation takes place? But as I think about the times that I have been transformed or the, or the most transformative change in my life, there's been something in common. There's been really difficult times that I've gone through where a loss of a friend or, 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 or loss of a job or, or instability or scary things, and wow, suddenly the Spirit shows up and I get trans, transformed in a deeper way. And that's one way. There's other ways. There's disciplines. There's spending time with God. But there's this one in common way, and it always has to do with someone else. And that's someone else pouring into me and giving to me and spending time with me. They give, and they give generously. And as I think about all these transitions in my life, there's always one. It's not the same person, but it's different people that, that, that pull me out and go, you know what? I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give generously to you. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my energy. I will buy you a cup of coffee whenever you want, and I want to hear what God is doing in your life. Those people give generously to me, and my life starts to transform. Isn't that interesting? And I would ask you to take a minute and think about the times in your life that you have felt transformation. And you've felt this movement, the trajectory goes steep. And all of a sudden, God is moving and talking to you. Was it because somebody poured into you or in part because somebody poured into you and gave to you generously? Even through the hard times, maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you lost a job or, or, or something difficult. Your marriage is struggling. Look around in that memory. Was there somebody that was pouring into you? And if that is you, if you can say, yes, someone was pouring into me, then this message is for you. If you're sitting there and you're listening to me and you're going, no, that's not me. I can't remember the last time somebody poured into me and gave to me generously. Then I would say this message is also for you. So this is good. We need to listen to what the Spirit has to say about giving and about pouring into each other. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Transformation, if you think about it, is so hard. It's difficult. It seems to be painful. It's like growing pains. 
I can remember as a young teenager, uh, in ninth grade, I was close to six foot tall. I was growing so fast, and my legs at night would ache. And it was like, uh, it's so painful. And the bones are stretching, and my muscles and tendons are stretching. That's what it feels like for transformation. So many times it's painful. It doesn't always have to be, but a lot of times it is. You know, life is tough. Life throws us curveballs all the time. And we can get overwhelmed. We can become afraid. We can lose sight of what transformation looks like in our life. And to be honest with you, it's so much easier just to get numb, just to, just to become numb. Like the Pink Floyd song, Comfortably Numb. We just get comfortably numb. And it's easy to stick our head in the sand and go, you know what? My kids are happy. My wife's pretty happy. I've got a good job. Everything's fine. I'm just going to survive. It's dangerous out there, and I've created this little comfort zone. I'm just going to survive until Jesus comes back and everything will be okay. It's easy to slip into that. But that's a plateau. And if we get too fooled, if we get too numb, the word transformation becomes foreign to us. Whoa, I'm fine. I'm fine the way I am. You know, it's almost like God knew. I say that jokingly. He did know it would be this hard. He knew it was going to be this hard. And he decided to help us. And we talk a lot about Jesus, and I hope that every message I preach here, I lift Jesus high. Jesus came, and he walked with us, and he showed us how to live, and he sacrificed himself on a cross, and he rose again, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he loves you, and he doesn't want you to just survive. He doesn't want you to get comfortably numb. He wants you to transform. And you might say, Josh, you don't understand how much transformation. Just, just talk to the 10-year younger self and talk to me then and, and, and now. I'm just so much different already. And that's good and that's wonderful and we worship and praise God for that. But he wants more transformation. And it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 60 seconds or 60 years. He wants more transformation out of you. Why does it have to be so hard? Well, God luckily gave us some really cool passages in this book, the Bible. It's not really a book. It's a bunch of series of passages, series of letters and books all collected together. But I get to read one to you today that is really encouraging. And this is coming from Paul the Apostle. And Paul was writing to his churches. So Paul's a missionary church planter, planted churches all over the new world at the time or the known world at the time. And he writes these letters to them to encourage them because he knows it's easy to get numb. He knows it's easier to only focus on, on us and ours, right? It's difficult to get out of that and to let the Spirit transform you. So he writes this letter to the Corinthian church. And then he writes another letter to the Corinthian church. I think the Corinthian church needs like double encouragement is what was going on there. Corinthian church, if you don't know, was one of the most wealthy port cities in the, in the known world. They had more money than they knew what to do with. They threw lavish parties. They had crazy uh, money to spend, and they did all kinds of great things. They were not without want. And this is what he says to these people in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to read through a couple sections and talk about them. So we're going to start in verse 6 of chapter 9. So again, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. Remember this, he says in verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. (laughs) Who doesn't love a cheerful giver? And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, for their righteousness endures forever. And if we just stop there for a minute, there's so many good things in that little passage that talks about giving. And Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth, hey, if you sow a small field, you will receive a small harvest. It's, it's natural. It's logical. But if you go big and you sow a big field, even though it's work and it's hard and it's difficult, you will reap a large harvest. It just it works that way. And he goes on to say something interesting. Each of you should give what you have decided to give into, in your own heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. And most of the messages that I've heard about giving, whether it's giving time or or emotion or finance or whatever it is, it always has this little stick to it. It's like, oh, the guilt comes in. Paul is saying here very clearly, this is not about guilt. In fact, if you're feeling guilty, you probably should take a break and not give. (laughs) This is not about compulsion meaning you're easily swayed and, oh, that really moved me, I'm going to give, or, oh, I'm really frustrated, I'm going to change this, I'm going to give. It's not, it's not last minute. It's planned out. It's intentional. And as you sit in your own prayer closet with your own relationship with Jesus, you say to him, what should I do? What should I give? What ministries do I get involved in? How much time and energy and money do I give to this church? What should I do? And he speaks to you in private. And you make a plan. And you stick to the plan. You always deliver. (laughs) Make a plan. This is intentional. So I'm here to tell you right now, if you're feeling guilt in your heart, you need to wonder, wait a minute, what's going on here? This is not about guilt. It's not about what should happen. It's about what you and your father decide needs to happen. And then it goes and then you go and do it. Verse 10, he continues, now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and in, 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 uh, will, will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And this is one of my favorite verses in this passage. Listen to verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Oh, that sounds so good. And, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There's a profound understanding there that I don't want us to miss. When we give, we receive. And we receive more so we can give more. It's very simple. It's, it's, the, it's the farmer analogy. You plant a seed, a field. You reap the harvest, and you save some of the seed that's produced in that harvest, and you dry that seed out, and you wait till spring, and you plant it again, and it goes on and on and on. I have a pretty uh, weak mathematical mind. This passage blows my mind because this is this, this idea of multiplication, right? <laughs> Whoa, multiplication. When you plant, you reap, and you get more, so you can plant more and reap more, and it goes on and on and on. 
That's what the Father has for us, and that's what the Father has for you. But there's another thing there that, that is so important. So he gives us everything that we need. He supplies all that we need. And then verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And listen to this, your generosity will result in people worshiping. That's how you pour into someone else, with generosity. You don't just pour into them individually, you pour into the church. And the church responds, and people respond, and people watch it, and they grow because they worship God. You want to talk about transformation? It starts with generosity. And I don't just mean finance. I mean time. I mean the time you spend on your knees praying for the church. I mean the time that you spend with people of the church, what ministries you're involved with, how you volunteer. It's all part of it. It's all part of giving. That generosity is multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. And people worship God because of it. He goes on. He's not even done. Verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. And verse 14 and in their prayers, for their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. That is beauty. That is power. When you give, people see it, and they worship God from it. That's multiplication. That's generosity. That's transformation. It is so good, and it is so rich of a thing. Here's the point this morning. This is the thing that I want us to focus on. Giving generously in community. Giving generously in community shows us it's not only just worship, it's a catalyst for worship. Does that make sense? Being generous is both an act and a catalyst for worship. I think for so many years I've thought, well, you know, I need to give because God gave me so much. So I'm kind of like obligated, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay God back for what he did. I think a lot of us think that instinctually. Well, I'm just, I'm going to pay him back because he was so good to me. That's not it. In fact, I would argue that's bad doctrine. Because that's, that's undermining the beauty of the freedom and the grace that he's extended to us if we think we're going to pay him back for it. No, no, this is something even better than that. Generously giving is a response to being like daddy who has given to us generously. That's the point. I want to be like daddy. I want to be like my heavenly father. And he's a generous God. So if I'm acting in his character, I'm a generous giver. And that's beautiful, right? That's beautiful. That's, that's like my son wanting to work with me in the barn and wanting to learn about chainsaws and splitting wood. Oh my gosh, that gets my heart going, you know? That's the way God feels when he sees me be generous. 
goes, yes, that's me. That's part of me and him. And he's given generously. Yeah, getting your hands dirty. Nice. But just when you think you've reached the goodness level, God doubles down and it gets even better. And this is what I mean by this. When we give generously, we're not just acting like our father. We're actually allowing people to worship him. So when you give, when you give, whether it's time, money, energy, effort, prayer, whatever it is, you're actually creating a catalyst for those around you to worship the Father. That blows my mind. Because with your giving, you are allowing people to worship the Father. That's good. That's doubled down. That's extra bonus. That's what I want. I want an opportunity for every person that comes in contact with this church to be able to worship God because we are a generous church that gives generously into our community. So you might say, well, okay, great. That's great. What, what, what about now? <laughs> What do we do with this? Maybe you're sitting in your seat and you're going, Josh, I've heard this a thousand times. I know all about giving generously. I am a generous giver. I give not because I'm trying to pay God back, but because I know daddy's a generous daddy and I want to be like him. And I know that when I give, I create a catalyst for other people to worship. And if that's you, long distance high five. Yes, we need that. And if that's you, you need a reminder that that's what it's about, because it's so easily we shift over into that survival, that, that numbness, that transformation that we long for and that we pray for and that has happened in this rich history of this church. I want it to continue, and we need constant reminders. Yes, that's why I give. That's why I do what I do. That's why I put so much effort into this, is because I want everyone around me not to look at me and go, oh, isn't he special, but to look at God and say, wow, he is reflecting God's generosity, and that is beautiful. I'm going to worship God because of that. So if that's you, a reminder, long distance high five. And if you're sitting here, maybe for the first time going, whoa, I've never heard that. <laughs> I've never heard that with my generosity, I actually create a way for people to worship God. Jump on in. The water's warm. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're hearing this. Think about it. Pray about it. Meditate on it. Ask the Father what He thinks about it. The thing about giving is that it's not a quick decision. It's not a split second, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. It's a long, drawn-out process of walking with the Father going, what should I do? What should I do? How should I go about this? And listening to Him and moving on that. It's not out of compulsion. So, if you're here and you know all about giving and you're, and you're the most generous person, um, I love it. If you're not and you're hearing this for the first time, I love it. This is what I want to do. Pull this little yellow card out. It's in your bulletin. This is not a pledge. This is not a promise. This is not a, I'm putting my, writing my name down in blood and now you're going to hunt me down if I don't do it. But this is a concrete opportunity for you to give. And you might look at this list of ministries and say, I give to all of them. Again, long distance high five. But you might be looking at this list and you're going, hey, 
I, I want to get involved. I feel like I might have um, a way to give to Age of Grace or to, or to or the library or, or member care or, or one of these ministries. I want you to put your name on this, and I want you to check as many boxes that you feel like you want to be a part of, and those ministry leaders will contact you. And you'll have an open discussion on what it looks like for you to give generously. Maybe you're already doing this. And, and, and you want more or you want to you give more? Talk to those ministry leaders. You might be looking at this list going, that is not an exhaustive list. I know. Actually, we would run out of paper if it was an exhaustive list because there's so much going at Grace Chapel. And if your ministry or the ministry you're a part of is not on this list, I want to know about it so we can put it on. This is just an idea. This is just a, a symbol of you giving generously. Finances are on there. Giving generously above what you already give. This is one of the ways that people get transformed. They see others give and they worship the Father. And that's what it's about. And this morning, so fill that out, fold it up if you don't want people to see it, and drop it in the baskets in the back. I put a couple extra baskets back there on your way out, just drop it off. And I'll, I'll... me and Carol will hand these out to the right leaders and they'll contact you. It's a way to do it. It's a way to give specifically. And we get the opportunity this morning to take communion. Which, it, it just seems like every time we take communion, it's so relevant to what we're talking about. I'd like to take credit for that. I can't take credit for that. I would love to end this service meditating and focusing on the generosity of Jesus Christ. I think that is so fitting when it comes to thinking about the ways that we're going to give and to give generously. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time thinking about Jesus' generosity. And what I mean by that is his death on the cross for us. I'm going to start us off. I'm going to read a passage to kind of help our minds think about what he did. I'm going to pray. I'm going to take communion. And then I want you guys to think about it and come up and take communion. Of course, we have gluten-free, the far left, your right, if you have dietary restrictions. So that's what we're going to do. Let me read to you this passage. Paul, writing to the letter to the Corinthians again in his first letter. Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which has generously been given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We need to focus on his generosity. He sets the standard. And the only reason we're here, the only reason we do this, is because he gave to us. And he gave generously. And it is good for our hearts, and it is good for our souls to think about his generosity. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we could never give what you've given to us. We can never pay you back. And Lord, we don't even want to because that would cheapen the beautiful, precious gift that you've given us. But God, we want to be like you. 
We want to emulate your generosity. And Jesus, we know that this is a scary thing, and it's a hard thing. Transformation is painful in so many times. But God, you gave us your body. You gave us your life. You sacrificed yourself for our sake because you loved us. So God, I ask that you would move us as a a church, as a community, and you would show us what it looks like for us to give generously. And that as we sit here and think about you dying on the cross for our sake, that we could participate in communion in a way that reflects your glory and your honor. And God, that we wouldn't do this lightly. Lord Jesus, that this just wouldn't be a first of the month thing that we just do but it would be special and it would soak deep into our hearts and that generosity, that our lives would be marked by the same generosity that you've given to us. As we take these elements, Lord, be honored. And Jesus, we cannot wait till you come back. In your name, amen.